I can't be in control of whatever my husband does or you know how he's feeling or his emotions or anything like that but I can kind of manage mine and work on my own mental emotional well-being so that when I come as my half of the whole I'm kind of showing up like as my best and so for mm -hmm. me that often looks like practicing exploring my emotions when I'm meditating so then when I do and I'm human so this absolutely still happens I do have kind of this big thing or you know maybe my husband and I are disagreeing or bickering or whatever it is there's those kind of heated moments that I can then also catch myself before they go too far right hello and welcome to the minimalist moms podcast in today's bonus episode, my guest Kelly Smith and I delve into the topic of meditation and overcoming feelings of resentment within relationships. I know it's specific, but stay with me here. We talk about specific ways meditation can help you let go of grudges to feel better, but it's not always easy. So we talk about some of the problems you might run into when you try to use this practice to communicate better. It can make you more understanding and kinder, plus we'll check out some of the cool science that shows how meditation can actually change your brain and make you happier in your relationship. This is an intriguing conversation you don't want to miss. For those of you that are new around here, I release bonus episodes that serve a niche part of my audience. So if this isn't something that you're looking for, check out the other episode that dropped last week with Katie Bowman all about intentional movement or my episode tomorrow with author Nir Ayal all about being indistractable. I will say, even if you don't practice meditation, there will be takeaways in this episode for you. So stay tuned and enjoy this conversation with Kelly Smith. Last time we just talked about meditation as a foundation in our life that we can utilize mindfulness, quietness, slow. But today we're going to talk more about meditation for the family. And I specifically, I know you have this new book coming out, and I knew that you had talked about using meditation in relationships, maybe with your spouse and how we can stay in the present moment without, I think people tend to lean on their emotions sometimes when they're in the heat of the moment. We typically go into our emotional state and not rational state. So I think that meditation can really help with that. So that's what you're going to be talking about today. Yes, there's a whole section on meditation and partnerships and how you can use it for yourself in partnerships and also some that you can do together with your partner. Cool. So why don't we go into an introduction? And for those of the listeners that hadn't listened to that previous episode, why don't you go ahead and reintroduce yourself? Sure. So hi, my name is Kelly. I am a yoga and meditation teacher and a mom as well. So I'm the founder of Yoga For You and the host of the podcast Mindful Minutes and Meditation Mama, which are two guided meditation podcasts. Yeah, and that's me. I'm a mom to a two-year-old. Well, I have one and a half kids, a two-year-old yeah. out of utero and another one in utero as we speak. On the way. So exciting. Which I am curious before we get into the partner conversation, do you use meditative practices with your two and a half year old? I mean, how young can we start implementing this? So I actually think that it's great to start meditating like when you're pregnant, like prenatal meditation uh -huh. as a way to not only, I mean, there are some studies that say that there's a lot of benefits for both mom and baby, but I think it's a nice way to connect with baby. And right now, like with my little guy, what we do is we kind of talk about the idea of introspection and being like an observer, taking breaks to kind of alleviate some of that emotional pressure. 
We talk about some of the more higher level ideas of mindfulness and meditation and kind of like play some games with it and things like that, as opposed to sitting down quietly together. But we definitely use a lot of the principles and apply it even at this little age. And I think it's just so good for them to just learn that skill of like, how can I manage my own emotions? How can I be an observer of what's happening inside of me and around me? And learn different techniques to kind of like cope with that, even if they're just like very, very, very simple. Okay. No, that makes sense. And I think mindfulness and just quieting ourselves in general is such a superpower in a certain way to tap into throughout our life. And I do think that throughout my life, looking back into certain circumstances, I think if I would have maybe stopped and paused as opposed to have been reactive or just acting on my first impulse, I think I would have been better for it. I think it's just one of those things. And of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we have the woulda, coulda, shoulda's. But at least for me, since becoming a mother, because the last time we spoke, I was an almost mother, a mother of again, we seem to only talk when I'm pregnant. Now having a few years of like motherhood under my belt, one thing that I have particularly found to be useful in terms of applying meditation to my everyday life, like outside of practice, is being able to hit that pause button in those really kind of like reactive hot moments mm-hmm. and like the big kind of emotional moments. Not to say that I'm not feeling what's happening. I'm also still very human and sometimes you get overstimulated or mm-hmm. you get overwhelmed and you snap at your kids or whatever it is. But I think when you learn how to cultivate the skill of hitting that pause button, and being an observer of yourself without judgment, I think that becomes really helpful in those really kind of hot, reactive, high emotional moments for yourself as the parent, but also like in the family system as well. No, absolutely. For people that aren't familiar with meditation, I've had a few meditation episodes in the past. So I would assume that most people know what we're referring to when we talk about meditation. But I wanted to talk about specific techniques when it comes to dealing with resentment. But I also kind of want to go back and just clarify what you do when you meditate. You have a child, you have one on the way. What does it look like in your day to day? And then we can talk about specific techniques because that seems a little bit more in depth, I guess. Absolutely. So for me personally, and I always like to keep it very transparent and honest, like studies tell us we only need eight to 10 minutes of meditation a day. And I do not have a lot of time on my hands currently. So I usually set aside around 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. And I like to do a few things. So I like to sit down and take a few deep breaths to kind of quiet my nervous system. And meditation itself, to peel it back even more, is just single-pointed concentration. So that means you're just taking your time to focus on one thing. So concentrating on one single point with your mind. So for me, I like to start by checking in and just being like, How am I doing today? Again, without judgment. How is my body feeling? What thoughts am I having? And what's going on in my heart? And that then gives me some guidance if I'm like, you know what? My body is feeling really tired. This is one that's happening a lot these days being third trimester pregnant. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? My body is just really, really tired. And so I will often just take that time to like sit quietly and breathe deeply and just be present with my body, even something that simple. 
if I do my check-in first and I'm like, you know what? My heart is feeling this certain way, or maybe I'm having some anxious thoughts about adding another member of the family, then maybe I'm going to sit and perhaps I'll repeat like a mantra or an affirmation to myself around that particular feeling. So I often like to take a few deep breaths, quiet my nervous system without judgment, look at what's happening in my body. What am I thinking about in my mind? What's going on in my heart? And then let my meditation go from there for a few minutes. So focus on a thing that feels soothing or nourishing to whatever part of me feels like it needs it most that day. As you're trying to pursue a more minimalist lifestyle, it can be tricky, especially around the holidays, to figure out what to gift people. The fact is, most of us aren't going to stop giving gifts, but how can we be more intentional, sustainable, and prioritize quality over quantity? I have a great recommendation for you, and that's Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth has perfect holiday gifts that are both luxurious and sustainable. They've been voted one of Oprah's favorite things for five consecutive years, and they're both comfortable yet stylish. Cozy Earth's best-selling bamboo sheets or their temperature-regulating, incredibly soft bamboo pajama collection is a great way to gift ultimate coziness. And Cozy Earth allows you to give the gift of loungewear that you can enjoy not just this winter season, but all throughout the year. So check out Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today, up to 40% off site-wide when you use the code MINIMALIST. Let's hop into our conversation about our partner and using meditation as a tool for us to overcome resentment. So that's a pretty specific topic. We can obviously be a little bit more broad as well. But I'm curious, how does practicing meditation help individuals, help us process and manage our feelings so that we don't allow resentment to build? Yeah. And you know, even though it is kind of a specific topic, I do think it's really widespread. I've certainly never met a mom that hasn't experienced some level of resentment in the relationship, especially after having kids. And it's something that I experienced as well when I became a mom. And something that I found to be really useful is just like you said, like learning how to almost like feel your feelings in a way. And so resentment itself is such a complex emotion. It's not like we just wake up one day and just because of nothing, we just have like resentment within us, right? It's this thing that builds and builds and builds. And there's usually something under the surface there, whether it's anger, like not feeling seen or not feeling valued or feeling like the default parent or whatever it is. It's these things that build upon one another And then that eventually leads to then the feeling of resentment, which is not a pleasant feeling. No one loves feeling that. No one loves feeling like their partner has resentment towards them. And so I find that meditation helps in a few different ways. One, I think that when we do experience resentment, that we tend to put a lot of judgment on ourselves. We're telling ourselves this narrative around resentment of, well, I feel resentment because of this, or we just feel really kind of heated in those moments. And so I think when we can look at it objectively and be like, okay, you came to me and you're like, Kelly, I'm just feeling all this resentment. And I'm like, tell me about it. What's going on? And I'd be able to just kind of hold space and listen to what's happening for you. And so we're able to look at it and then start to peel back some of the layers and to say, okay, basically, how did I get here? It's like that meme that it's like, hi, you might be wondering how I got here. It's like that, but it's like, how did I get to this place of resentment? What am I actually feeling? So you can dig a little bit deeper in that sort of safe container of meditation. And then I think it also allows us to then take these little moments of pause because resentment can often feel like kind of that 
pressure cooker where it's like, again, building, 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 building until then all of a sudden it's like this blow your lid moment. And so when you take these little moments to hit pause, to meditate, even just a few minutes every day, I think of it as a way of alleviating some of that pressure, just letting a little bit of it go so that we Mm -hmm. aren't always right on the edge of that blow your top moment and just helps you to stay a little bit cooler and level-headed as you work through really complex and tricky things in your relationship like resentment. I think that sometimes I have guests on and they're just very broad, which is good because that means it's applicable to everyone and everyone listening is taking something away. So this is maybe more of a specific idea for someone that's struggling, but I do think that we could apply the resentment element to any type of relationship. But I, again, I am kind of narrowing it down with our partner. So when we are taking time, holding that space for ourselves, maybe in the morning or evening, what does that look like? What am I thinking on? Am I thinking about the positives and not the negatives? What does it look like? Do you know anyone that is in a partnership and has children that hasn't at any point experienced resentment? I would say there's two marriages that seem like they're super solid, but one's probably more passive. I don't know. So you're probably right. And it still happens within there. I guess I'm just thinking, I hope people aren't walking away with thinking that we're specifically talking about couples that are in constant fighting and arguments. We're not necessarily talking about that. We are just talking about these common feelings of resentment that do come up with having young kids, or maybe you're the parent that has to drive your teenager to all the sports and the activities and managing these feelings, like you said, so that they don't bubble up over the surface. And then we end up in a giant conflict. If we're dealing with these on the regular, I think that's what we're speaking to today. There's like a resentment section in this book. And I gave a lot of thought around resentment. And something that came up for me when I was working on that section was this idea of It doesn't mean that someone is doing something intentionally. Like we sometimes can be really surprised when these feelings pop up. Like for me, the first time that I really noticed that I was feeling resentment was when my husband was going back after paternity leave. And we had talked about what that was going to look like, who was going to stay home, what our schedules were going to look like. We were all on the same page of what was going to happen. There were no surprises. It was happening and we had agreed upon it and everyone was fine with it. But it was like the smallest thing of like, how nice of you to be able to wake up in the morning, take a shower, eat your breakfast and go out the door like you used to. And I'm here on the couch with crusty breast milk on my shirt or whatever it is. And we had agreed upon it and there wasn't anything anyone can necessarily do about it. For me, I often think about resentment. Like, of course, we can bring it to that place where then we are kind of like in crisis or like really struggling with our partner. But it also can look like those little moments. Like my son went through a stretch where it was like he would only do bedtime with me. He just was in one of those phases. It had nothing to do with anything. But I was like, you know what? I would love to just hand off my little guy during bath time just for one night. Mm -hmm. And say, you know what, I'm going to go watch some TV or do whatever I feel like for a little bit. But he just was in one of those phases where he just Mm -hmm. needed me to do bedtime. And again, it has nothing to do with anything anyone's doing intentionally. We have those little moments too of resentment where you're just like, oh gosh, like for whatever reason, you know, you're the one that's always driving your teenage child to whatever activity. Those things too, I think it's really easy for both moms and dads or however you identify to kind of feel resentment. Mm -hmm. And so to answer your question in terms of like, what does it look like when we're meditating 
with these things, there's a few different things that you can do. One I think is doing kind of like I described my own personal practice, but doing this kind of without judgment, like check-in, how am I actually doing? Because if you can be honest with yourself and, you know, not try to shame or guilt or anything like that around how you're feeling and just be like, you know what? I'm feeling really tired. Like I was with my son all day long and he also insisted that I do bedtime and just that little bit, that last little thing just really wore me out. And like just being honest about that. I think that having those honest check-ins is such a great way to kind of catch these very early stages of emotional fatigue or struggle before they turn into full-blown resentment. And then I think that another piece or another meditation technique, so other than checking in, is I like to do this visualization when I am feeling like actual resentment, where I take a breath in and I think about what would I rather be feeling or what feels like the opposite of the resentment in that moment. Maybe it's like contentment, maybe it's gratitude, maybe it's something else. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm bringing that into my body as I breathe in. And then as I breathe out, the resentment is leaving my body. And so then with every deep breath that I take, I'm bringing in a little bit more of what I need and I'm releasing a little bit more of that resentment. And just taking that time to kind of breathe deeply and create that cycle of like what I need comes in and the resentment goes out. So in the work that you do, have you had people, I mean, I guess if you're writing about these things, these are things that are happening to you. These are examples that you're seeing in your own life because you wouldn't have written about it if it wasn't something that was happening or that you were seeing consistent. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So do you have any real life examples of how this has been beneficial to someone's relationship? Like maybe we write it off. I'm sure that there's someone listening thinking this couldn't possibly help me work through these feelings. But what is your testimony to saying that this would be a helpful technique or tool? Sure. So this is something that I hear about all the time, especially in partnership after children. I use it for myself too. And so that is a testament to, and and I will say like my husband is not a meditation guy really. So we don't necessarily sit down and like meditate together, which you can do. And there are some kind of reconnection meditations that sometimes can help with that, but that's just not really his style, which is perfectly fine. But for me, I find that when I am at peace with myself and my emotions, It's like when we're taking these two halves and trying to bring them together to create a whole, like in a partnership, I can't be in control of whatever my husband does or how he's feeling or his emotions or anything like that. But I can kind of manage mine and work on my own mental, emotional well-being so that when I come as my half of the whole, I'm kind of showing up like as my best. And so for Mm -hmm. me, that often looks like practicing, exploring my emotions when I'm meditating. So then when I do have kind of this big thing, or maybe my husband and I are disagreeing or bickering or whatever it is, there's those kind of heated moments that I can then also catch myself before they go too far or hit the pause button and being like, wow, I'm really upset about this thing, right? Yeah. Last night it was, I said something. And my husband was on his phone and said, oh, yeah, 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 even though I know he wasn't actually listening. And for whatever reason, that one thing really got to me on the inside. And I just was like, okay, pause button. This is upsetting to me. And then I can kind of do that emotional regulation in the moment because I've been practicing it in kind of the safe little bubble of meditation. So that's just for me personally, it's kind of taking ownership of how I'm showing up and how this helps. In terms of um, working with different students and clients, I have found a similar experience, particularly with a lot of women, feel like this kind of emotional roller coaster is just going and it won't stop of learning to work on their own emotions and kind of letting go of some of that attachment and ownership over their partner and how they 
may be feeling or not feeling and just learning how to focus on like the self. And then I've had a handful of clients that have done meditations with me or wanted like custom meditations that they could do together, which I think is a really interesting and beautiful concept because then they're kind of getting to that quiet level-minded space where they can connect with one another, but also then it sort of calms everything down. So they sometimes can have some of those more challenging conversations without having as much kind of reactiveness to it. And I've had some couples that have said that it's been really beneficial to either like to gather together, like right next to each other, or have their separate kind of 10 minutes, take that time out for one another, then come together and try to work through some of that trickier stuff that every relationship has, which I think is a really beautiful way to incorporate it as well. So when it comes to using meditation as a practice against resentment, Would you say that there are any potential challenges or limitations as a means to overcoming this behavior? Something that comes up a lot is stopping yourself before you start. And Mm -hmm. I think like years ago, we talked about some like meditation myths. And so that Mm -hmm. might be like stopping yourself from meditating because there's a concern it's against your religious beliefs or thinking that a certain kind of person meditates and you're not that type of person or I don't have time. Like usually the limitation, I mean, even if you're in crisis or like you're really struggling, I think it's always beneficial, again, and it's and this is the hard part sometimes in partnership, is you can't always control what your partner is doing. I think anytime, even in those really, really tough times, which is where I have found meditation to be particularly helpful, is that you can always turn inward and reconnect like with the self and trying to find peace for yourself. So usually the limitation is kind of stopping yourself before you give it a try to see if it might be beneficial for one reason or another. I'm too busy or that's usually the limitation. You talked a little bit about how couples can use meditation together. And I'm assuming that that does improve connection with one another, but does it improve communication and understanding? Do you think that doing that with one another, I mean, again, you said your husband isn't a big meditation guy, but do you feel like it helps you guys communicate a little bit better? Because like you said, you go within yourself and you know yourself better. I think if you are the individual that's meditating, I do think it's always good and it can help communication. It helps you to kind of clarify your thoughts, what's happening underneath the surface, then you can bring that to your partner. But I do think that this idea of meditating together, if that's something that your partner is open to, I have found, especially with a lot of my clients that do that together, to be really beneficial because it's not only then this shared thing that you're doing together. And studies do tell us that like when you share some kind of an interest or a hobby or something with your partner, that that really can be extremely beneficial for your relationship overall. So I think it's nice if that thing happens to be meditation, but studies tell us it can really be anything. And then I think that when you have both people showing up after having kind of just calmed the waters, maybe dug a little bit deeper, kind of done that check-in of what's happening to my body, my mind, my heart, I think it's a really then balanced place to communicate about anything, whether it's kind of digging through the weeds a little bit or Mm -hmm. a conversation about anything else because you're showing up with more clarity for yourself. And we do know studies tell us that meditation also tends to make you a better listener. So someone who can actively listen and be present. And so, and a big piece of communication, of course, is being able to speak your truth, but is also being able to be level-headed, good, engaged listener as well, which I think is so important. 
you were talking about the scientific research. I want to know anything else you have to share in regards. I mean, I'm sure that there's quite a bit because I do think that meditation has been used throughout almost all world religions, I'm assuming. It's been a practice for thousands of years. So what does the science say about why this is a beneficial practice? Some of the ones that stick out to me in particular is how meditation changes your brain. So over time with about 10 minutes meditation every day, usually over about eight weeks or so, your mind actually begins to change. So the amygdala, which is like the pain, worry, fear, anxiety center of the brain, which tends to be overactive in many people, it kicks off the fight or flight mechanism within you. That tends to actually atrophy or get a little bit smaller. So we're having smaller physiological pain, worry, anxiety responses where our prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that's like right behind your forehead, that is in charge of like focus, concentration, but also emotion regulation. So we're rewiring our brain to not only have these smaller physiological responses to things like worry, anxiety, pain, fear, which I mean, have we ever known anxiety greater than once you become a parent, it's like your capacity to just like worry and be in that fight or flight mode is just like increased tenfold. But then we're also increasing strength and capability in the part of the brain that helps you to regulate your emotions. So we aren't having those big kind of up and down swings. So I think about that in terms of parenthood in general. It has been shown to really reduce things like postpartum anxiety, depression, and also rage. We don't talk a lot about like postpartum rage. It can be really beneficial for that. Reducing overall anxiety and also then kind of reducing those big emotional swings, which can be extremely beneficial when you're trying to show up not only in the world like for your kids, but for your partner as well. Just overall with regulation, just keeping us more consistent and balanced in our days. Absolutely. And then there's other, you know, of course, there's like hormonal components to it. There's not that this is like a meditation and postpartum necessarily chat, but there are a lot of really great benefits to meditation postpartum as well, because we know there's so much that's going on during that time for both physical, mental and emotional recovery too. I think those were great statistics to share. And like you said, there's a multitude of resources we can go and research meditation more. But one of the resources, it sounds like you have this new book coming up and you said it was releasing in the fall. Yes, it's my little book baby. It's going to be available September 5th, but it's available for pre-order now. So I like to do the thing where you pre-order a book and then you have forgotten you ordered it. And then on September 5th, it's like a gift to yourself. Do you do that? Yeah, I've done that before. (laughs) I've done that. And then I'm like, oh my gosh. And then it's like this beautiful little present waiting on my doorstep. So it's called A Meditation Guide for the Modern Family. And it talks all about Meditation 101, also a lot of the science and research behind how meditation is beneficial, how to talk to your kids about meditation, how it can benefit your family as a whole. There's sections on prenatal partnership. And the biggest section of the book is I go through 33 different topics, things like insomnia, anxiety, resilience, self-confidence. And I talk about general teachings around that. And then I have a meditation practice for little ones, adolescents, and then adults and teens in there. So wherever you're at, whatever the age of your kids are, there's a practice in there for them for all of those different topics. So it's my little book baby that's being born on September 5th. So I always ask two questions at the end of every podcast. And the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource to you that you'd like to share with the listeners? So a beneficial resource to me, I don't even know this one technically counts, but I have really relied on my mom group chats lately for emotional support as I navigate motherhood. And I never knew how much I was going to rely on the other beautiful supportive moms in my life more than when I became one. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I think once you find that group that you click 
click with. It's just like, okay, we're doing life together. Let's go. And it's so, I think it's so helpful when you can just be like, you know, I remember one time I was like, my baby's not like, am I ever going to sleep again? Mm. And then you just have these moms being like, hang in there. It's so hard. Like you will sleep again one day. You can do it. Yeah. That's just been so beneficial. All right. And then the last one is what is something that you can't stop talking about? different baby products in a way since, you know, I've shared my third trimester. I feel like I just keep talking about like the pros and cons of different bassinets or like this versus that. I feel like it's the thing because we're so in the thick of, oh my gosh, this baby's coming soon. We've got to like, you know, because classic second child could be here any day now and we've done nothing. I think that's what I've been talking the most about. I think that mine, maybe I'm just speaking from my own self because I keep talking about Tony's Chocoloni. (laughs) (laughs) It's a chocolate bar. Actually, it's made in Belgium. I get it from Thrive Market and I'm not even a big chocolate eater. I think I ordered it by mistake or it was a free gift from Thrive Market. And And now my husband and I, I feel like we sneak it every so often. It's like my gift to myself at the end of the day. I have just like a little piece because it's really rich, but it's so, so good. And I feel like I can't stop talking about it. The second thing I probably talk the most about other than like pros and cons of different baby products Uh is all the things that I'm going to do, eat and drink once I'm not pregnant anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Like we go out to dinner and I'm like, oh, I'm going to order that cocktail in about 12 weeks. (laughs) I feel that. I was the same way with my third. I was just ready. Like a smoked salmon bagel. Doesn't that sound delightful or whatever it is. I talk about that a lot too out of envy. Yes. Well, you're almost there. You're almost there. Well, Kelly, again, thank you for coming on and being a resource for us to listen to in regards to meditation. People should follow along. It's Yoga For You Online, correct, on Instagram? You got it. Yep, that's it. Okay. Is there anywhere else we can find you on the web? Mostly that. If you are someone wanting to dabble in meditation, I have my two podcasts, Mindful in Minutes, which is guided meditations generally, and then Meditation Mama is for anyone who is in the fertility, prenatal, or postnatal period. And then that's it. That's where I am on the internet. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining me again today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.